This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're recapping the most interesting food stories and trends of 2023, be it barbecue feuds, crazy martinis, celebs, and tequila, plus hot dogs, burgers, and lots of food and sports mashups. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest food and restaurant news. And don't forget to tell us what you think at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. If you like the show, please show us some love and leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. This will also be our last show of 2023. We're taking a two-week break for the holidays, and we'll return with a fresh episode on January 11th, 2024. And it's going to be Christmas! (laughs) I love it. I love this season. Imelda, you've been planning Christmas since like October, right? Yes. Okay. This is my moment. (laughs) (laughs) Later, we're reviewing the food stories of the year you loved most. But first, we're discussing the latest restaurant news with food reporter Sarah Blaskovich and Imelda Garcia and producer Julie Fisk. Reporter Claire Baller is off today. Sarah, there are still new restaurants being announced this year, right? There are still a couple more days left to open in 2023. (laughs) And by gosh, some people will. Yes, it's been an incredibly exciting holiday season when it comes to restaurant openings. Way busier than I expected. Let me tell you about one place I'm kind of jazzed about. It's called the Rayleigh Underground. And this is part music venue, part dinner theater. And we're talking upscale dining while you watch a show. I love it. Like, yeah. we don't eat like this. Yeah, there's not a lot of that here. anymore. That's right. And if anybody remembers Sambuca, the man who started Sambuca owns the Rayleigh Underground. So it will be a Sambuca-like experience, but this venue is even bigger. So it's in Irving Las Colinas near the Toyota Music Factory. In fact, the reason why the Rayleigh Underground has the underground name is because it is a pie-shaped piece of property that's cut underneath the lawn at Toyota Music Factory. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever stood in the back of the lawn, like I did to watch Kids Bop in the heat of the summer, (laughs) (laughs) underneath where I was standing and getting a glass of wine, there was this music venue and dinner theater being built. Wow, cool. So it fits 1,300 people, but there's ways to cordon it off. So I think, too, you could go and have a happy hour with coworkers. You could rent it out for a private event. You could go with a group of friends. Or you could buy tickets to see a jazz musician or an acoustic set or a comedy show 
and have dinner while you're doing it. Will there ever be like actual plays? Like I remember seeing South Pacific at a dinner theater in Burlington, North Carolina when I was a kid and just being fascinated. I love this idea. I don't think there will be plays because there's not like this huge backstage area for um, backdrops, props, all that. Now the stage itself is state of the art and they have these three giant screens. I mean, dozens of feet tall and wide. And these three screens can all come together to be one giant, giant screen where maybe they could show a Dallas Cowboys game or the Grammys or, you know, some sort of television thing, or they can split them apart and do like this Vegas sports book kind of feel. Or they even said they might do lights shows and art on these LED screens. If you've ever seen some of these immersive art experiences that have become more popular in recent years, only because we have the technology for them now. Yes. I think the Rayleigh could be a place to watch some of those things too. It's fascinating. I just, I thought we had eaten in all different ways here in this (laughs) city. And as it turns out, you know, we haven't done enough eating during concerts and here we are. What is the food like? The food here is mostly Asian. They say it's Pacific Rim themed. So a couple of bites, kimchi flatbread, Korean fried chicken, muhamara dip, bao buns, and even entrees like a scallop risotto with coconut rice. Ooh. Mm. So fancy. Do we know if they're going to open like for big events like the Super Bowl? It's a great question. I think it's too early to tell, but the short answer is yes. They want groups of people who are watching something, Mm. you know, whether it's television or concerts or TED Talks or comedians Mm. to want to gather here. And I think it's worth pointing out that Irving Las Colinas has made major strides to try to get more people to their city. Irving is right in the middle of DFW and they have that convention center. They now have the Toyota Music Factory and the restaurants and bars around it have come and gone over the years and the pandemic had quite a bit to do with that. But we will be talking more about other food and drink coming to this new development in Irving, which they believe will just bring more people to their city. So we're going to talk a little bit more about food and sports mashups in 2023 later. But Sarah, you sort of have the icing on the cake food and sports mashup. Yes. Uh, my, My scoop of the month for sure. Dallas Cowboys coach Jason Garrett, who I'd never met before, but now I have, and I've interviewed him. He and Babe Laufenberg, who is an NFL quarterback and also a sports commentator on television. The two of them are getting together and they are opening a restaurant in Highland Park. Not something I had on my 2023 bingo card. Right. I didn't know that either of them were interested in opening a restaurant. Jason Garrett loves Italian culture and has interest in opening kind of this all day Italian cafe. And Babe Laufenberg loves coffee. He always wanted to open a coffee shop, apparently. So the two of them are going to do both of those things together in the old TJ seafood spot on Oaklawn Avenue. Now that happens to be next door to Barsati's, which used to be called Carbones. And as we know, the man behind that owns most of the high-end Italian restaurants in the Highland Park, Oaklawn area of Dallas. And he is partnering with those two very well-known Cowboys guys to open this restaurant. I had heard about this and secured an interview with two of them. And we sat and had dinner at Barsati's and talked all about why they like Italian food and why they want to open a restaurant together. It was fascinating. And I expect this restaurant to open in 2024. And what's it supposed to be called? The name is Cafe Luca. Cafe with two F's, Luca with two C's. And the name is a tearjerker. Babe Laufenberg's son, Luke Laufenberg, died of cancer in 2019. He was much too young. So Cafe Luca honors Luke Laufenberg and then does a couple of wonderful things for the neighborhood, which is give people a place to commune and eat food that all the owners love. The reason why I heard about Cafe Luca is because for months I have been researching for a story that I hope everybody reads the day after Christmas. It is the most exciting restaurants opening in 2024. And you guys, this takes three dozen interviews. It probably takes 
50 or 75 phone calls to different people to figure out what restaurants are people working on? Where are they going to open? What's interesting? I have way too long of a list that then I cull into a shorter list that I, I just really, I love writing this story every year. And it's a look ahead at what an interesting year we are bound to have in Dallas food. You can find that story on dallasnews.com food starting December 26th. And it would mean a lot to me if people would share this. I think it's going to be a very busy year like this one. And I mean, all the inflation and everything. I mean, it's crazy. Everything is so expensive. And now we are seeing more restaurants than ever. It's very interesting what is happening. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy of what's going on out there. One of the big trends that has been going on, I think, for a few years is shrinkflation, which mm. is, you know, you pay the same amount for an item that is smaller. And one item that has been shrinkflated that is causing a lot of ruckus online is the Oreo. A lot of people are calling this a cookie conspiracy. Oh, no. So they think that there is less filling in the Oreo cookie. <gasps> That's a scene. Wait, in a regular or in the double stuff? In the regular Oreo, that Ooh. there's less filling. So anyway, a lot of people are really annoyed by this, particularly our business columnist, Dave Lieber. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote about this because he was just very, very upset about it. So this was a front page story in the Wall Street Journal that Dave kind of riffed off of. And the Wall Street Journal actually had photos of a before and after, a regular Oreo, and then now. Can I explain what we're seeing in this picture? Yes. In my estimation. The before Oreo is a clean circle of icing. The after Oreo is a messy, not clean circle of icing. It looks to me not like there's a ton less icing, but that somebody did it poorly. <laughs> and the icing is kind of transparent. That's how thin it is. Like you can see the chocolate cookie through the sheet of icing. And, and I don't think you're supposed to. And I think a lot of people are doing this on TikTok. It's a trending thing. Can we just point out that some of our best food watchdogs are on TikTok? Yes. yes. This for sure. makes me feel old. Yes. <laughs> but shrinkflation is really, I mean, I've noticed this with a lot of things I regularly buy. I'm one of those people who buys the same thing all the time. So I've noticed like there are some taco shells that we get. My kid loves the taco shells when we make tacos. I swear the taco shells we get now, they look like they should be a Christmas ornament. They're so small. <laughs> you feel like a giant when you're holding it? Yes. Like how do you even get any meat in there or cheese? You know, yeah, so, so it's do you ridiculous. eat twice as many or do you like have lower carb intake? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine with portion sizes being smaller, but we should pay less. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I've noticed lately when I go out to dinner, I'm mm -hmm. able to eat all the food that's on my plate. And I don't know if that says something about me, but I noticed this weekend, my whole family, we all went to dinner at a specific seafood restaurant that we love. And every single one of us was in the clean plate club. Now we used to be able to take food home as leftovers. I like leftovers, but we don't have doggy bags anymore. And it does seem like portion sizes at restaurants, which used to be insane. Totally. Um, but now it's like, I can finish that. That's happened to me too, Julia. I thought it was just a me problem. <laughs> it can't be both of us. Yeah, you were just hungry. I know. That's, that is something I've wondered. I'm like, wow, I guess I was really hungry. I mean, but, I am always hungry. But yeah, I feel like I don't eat more yeah. than I used to. I'm okay with this. I feel like you should be given the amount of food that a person should generally eat. This is parallel to the conversation about how sandwiches, like a super tall sandwich, this makes me so mad. Your mouth is this tall <laughs> and so is everybody else's. And you give me a five inch tall sandwich. It's like either we're about to have a mess on our hands or you've forgotten the human size of a mm -hmm. mouth. As Imelda <laughs> says, my mouth is so small. Yeah. Yes. Small. Yeah, and poor Imelda's mouth is even smaller. Yeah. Give her a short 
shorter yeah. sandwich. <laughs> That's right. But you know what? In restaurants, I mean, everything is so expensive now. If they raise their prices, nobody's going to go to dinner now. So for them, the less painful solution is to cut out a little bit of your dinner, I think. I think you're right. And I understand because I feel like restaurants so often struggle to stay in business. Yes. Oreo, however, they don't need to be doing <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. They're doing just fine. Right. Have they commented? Have they responded to that? In Dave Lieber's story, he has a statement from the CEO, Dirk Vandepute, who says the cream to cookie ratio of Oreo cookies has been unchanged for years. We would be shooting ourselves in the foot if we start to play around with the quality. So Oreo is denying. So maybe this is really just a conspiracy. Maybe it is. I do love that that adult asked that other adult (laughs) about a cream to cookie ratio. And that adult journalist went home and was like, honey, you'll never believe what I did today. Right. (laughs) I mean, like, this is like that time when I got to put urine in a food headline. Yes. And I was like, honey, you'll never believe what I did today. Yes. I mean, it's, it's big for the journalist who was involved there. Right. Did you say urine? <laughs> I did. Um, there was a urine throwing incident. <laughs> and that's a quote. Yes. At a restaurant. And uh, I had to get a permission to put that very strange turn of phrase in a headline. And it was granted and it, it made my whole day. That's yes. Brilliant. All right, guys. Speaking of junk food, I brought you guys a surprise. What? Uh-oh. I was at Madness Comics and Games in Plano this past weekend. This is like a favorite place of ours to go to for Christmas gifts or just anything. My son's really into D&D right now, so. Seems like a bad place to buy food, though, Aaron. What are you about to tell us? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they had some snacks. And this is a box of candy canes, but they are mac and cheese flavored. Hmm. They also had gravy flavored. What? So and I you passed on those. Okay, I'm going to open these. You want to try them? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I think those are better than my mac and cheese. No. I you said everybody no. ate your mac and cheese. I cannot yes. get on board with the fact that your mac and cheese didn't taste good. I think your mac and cheese was probably good to great. It's funny how the bastardization of mac and cheese has become a thing this year. <laughs> yes. Can you say that as well as urine? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you can say bastard. No, you got to ask the editor. Okay. <laughs> she uh, usually says yes to good stuff. Yes. It smells like cheese. These are like that bright yellow stripe and white instead of where the red would be on a candy cane. Right. That's what we're looking at. Oh, oh, it took a minute. Oh, oh, it's like a candy cane with a hint of foot. Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. Smelling it. It does. It smells like feet. I'm done. Sorry. I'm out. I had a piece break off. And so I've just got the whole piece in my mouth. It takes a minute. It's like candy, candy foot. (laughs) (laughs) That was guttural. They are good. You like it? Give it a minute. Give it a minute. No, no, it's okay. I mean, it tastes sweet at first. Mm -hmm. Foot. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) I haven't gotten the foot. Definitely doesn't taste like mac and cheese. No, put it back Mm. in your mouth. You got You got to keep working on it for a minute. The smell though. The smell is definitely Mm -hmm. foot. Or like when you're in your car and you put on the air conditioning for the first time in a while and you get that stinky sock smell. That's, that's this. Um, I've got a like recovered food memory that I can't place yet. Hold on. Oh, I need it's my, not a good one, but. Um, I need my coffee. Ooh, need that's going to be awful. Don't do that. It, it seriously hasn't hit you yet? The foot? Now, what are it's those ingredients? Mm. Uh, the ingredients are sugar, corn syrup, Water, artificial flavors, an FDNC yellow five and FDNC yellow six. Mm, so healthy. 
It's like a big toe. Those are really weird. Mm -hmm. Don't buy these, y'all. Yeah. Or unless you just like really don't like somebody. <laughs> but I, I like you guys, but you know how. Or if you're doing here. like a white elephant. I'm sorry. I just like had another wave of foot. Like I, it's like it's still coming. It, it just keeps coming. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry, guys, for giving you stinky feet for Christmas. <laughs> My apologies. What do you mean by white elephant? White elephant. I thought it was supposed to be like a gag gift. The whole idea of a white elephant is that one person opens a gift and then the person next to them can either take that gift or open another gift. So sometimes you'll get a gift that looks like it's supposed to be amazing. Like I remember somebody had a really wonderful bottle of like expensive bourbon at a white elephant and Ooh. everyone kept fighting for that one, like trading off to get that. But it ended up being an empty bottle <gasps> of bourbon that somebody had poured tea into. Oh, no. So yeah, so you can get, Whoa. but yeah, there was like a lottery ticket taped to the bottom of it so it was like you still got a gift but you got tricked at the same time now but did that person win the lottery no darn it mm. <laughs> well white elephant is a good idea maybe we should do that next year and i promise i won't bring weird candy canes oh god please don't <laughs> i can't recover from those next up what do you remember from this year the most popular food stories might surprise you that's right after this central market is really into food like when we say cheese it's in 12 languages into food butchers bakers and sushi roll makers into food we're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food central market is really into food if you are too then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map get inspired get adventurous or just get a chef made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time no place makes every meal more amazing like central market really into food shop now at centralmarket.com Welcome back, everyone. One of my favorite stories that Sarah puts together annually is her recap of our most popular food and restaurant stories of the year. And 2023 was kind of wild. You can read her story at dallasnews.com slash food. But Sarah, let's walk down memory lane a little bit. It started with barbecue feuds. Yep. And it kind of ended with barbecue feuds. So the number one most read story on our website when it comes to food was about Hutchins Barbecue and how two brothers sued their own brother and dad over the rights to their last name. And the reason why this was happening is because the other group of the family was trying to open a restaurant and trophy club. They did end up doing that and they did settle this lawsuit. I don't know if the brothers are friends. I'm not sure if they're having Christmas together, but uh, they have sort of buried the Hutchins hatchet, if you will. But uh, this was a, uh, a deep, dark one that involved people's family drama. And y'all like to read about all the spilled tea. Who doesn't like a good telenovela? That's exactly right. Especially when it involves a family. And yes. how much closer are we to the Barbecue Feud reality series? We talked about this before. Oh, right. And I, uh, for the producers listening, we would like 15%. Yes. To this television show, I can introduce you to a host of people who would be fantastic <laughs> on television and dislike some of their family members. <laughs> yes. Isn't that part true. of it? The other Barbecue Feud, which Claire wrote about, is the difference of opinion between Lockhart Barbecue and Crossbuck Barbecue. So that lawsuit is not settled. It is still brewing. And Jill Burgess, the co-owner of Lockhart, said to Claire in June, something that still feels true today, quote, breaking up is probably the oldest story in barbecue, unquote. Drama. Yeah, that was a messy one, too. There were like a lot of filings. Yeah, and it's not over. It's kind of sad. Yeah, we don't want to make light of, of these difficult circumstances with families, but when they make their feuds public like this, as it turns out, I can prove that those of you who like food or feuds or both read the heck out of these. Another trend in the food world this year 
was sports. I feel like there were so many sports and food stories this year. Yeah. And that's kind of a problem for me because I don't sports all that well. (laughs) I watch a lot of sports. If we're just talking about celebrities eating at a steakhouse, for instance, I'm all over that, right? The Texas Rangers had their World Series party right after the World Series parade at Albernay's. I can super handle that. And that was one of our top stories this year. In addition to the Rangers celebratory party where they drank $6,000 bottles of champagne. We also had another huge Rangers story this year, the $250 sandwiches. We talked about these on the podcast and we had some good fun deciding whether we wanted to eat six feet of three sandwiches. Because of course, not only are these expensive sandwiches only sold during the World Series, but also they were two feet long and there were three of them. So you need like a, a large family or a small circus, you know, to even carry all these things back to your seat. But I delighted in this $250 sandwich story because I thought it was so wacky. And I think most of our readers delight wasn't the word. I think it was hate. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just too weird. And there were only 10 of the lobster sandwiches sold per game. Wow. Not a lot more than 10 people wanted them. And it also makes me wonder, what if the Rangers go to the World Series again? How are they going to top the $250 lobster sandwich? And will it be in our most read stories of 2024? (laughs) Right. More importantly, if you ask me. (laughs) Yes. Okay, not food related, but I saw that the World Series trophy made a visit to the Dallas Morning News last week. It sure did. Yes. Did you guys get to see it? I was not here. No. (laughs) We were not here. No. But lots of people took photos with it. Yeah. I heard that it showed up in its own car and had its own driver. It was like a like a limousine. Yeah. I was here that day. And when people were taking pictures with it, I was working on a story. And so I raced downstairs to get my picture with it, mostly for my dad, the huge Texas Rangers fan. And it was gone. <gasps> oh, no. So I missed my opportunity, but I really desired to see it. Okay, other celebrity stories. One of the highlights of my year, if I may say, was meeting Reba McIntyre at her restaurant in early 2023. She opened a place in Atoka, Oklahoma, which is close to where she grew up. And she was there in person during this big opening night dinner. She sang and we ate food that had stories related to the food that her family, you know, used to like to cook around their own table. And We've had the pleasure, all of us, to meet this or that celebrity. And you guys, Reba is the real deal. She's so genuine and kind and like looks in person exactly like she looks, you know, on all the magazine covers. And I just loved her. I'm not even a huge country music fan. (laughs) But uh, that story about Reba opening a restaurant in Oklahoma was also one of our top stories of the year. And the point I made in the story, which is worth repeating, is that this is only two hours north of Dallas. So had Reba opened a restaurant farther from where we are, we wouldn't have written about it. They would not have flown me to see Reba's new restaurant in Vegas or in New York City. And the little I know about Reba makes me feel like that's not really her speed anyway. She wanted to open a restaurant to reinvigorate her hometown and it's working. But I made that two hour drive north and I suggest that other people who are serious Reba fans should make that drive too. It's accessible from Dallas uh, and I liked it a lot. That's what I loved about this story in particular, Sarah, was it wasn't just a restaurant opening story. Like it was really about revitalizing her hometown and how restaurants can really do that. Yeah, to me, the best food story is anchored in a place. It's about people. And that little town was not doing well. And she kind of swept in near the end of the worst of the pandemic and said, let's open a place. Let's see if we can get this little bitty town thriving again. 
Speaking of celebs, didn't Marky Mark come here too? Yes, this story was written by special contributor Kevin Gray, who went to meet Mark Wahlberg at La Neta Cocina y Lounge in Deep Ellum. And this was right when that restaurant was opening. And the fun little flourish about this story Kevin wrote was that it happened during like an intense thunderstorm, the like raining sideways kind of thunderstorm where you didn't leave the house even if you had plans. Yeah. And so there was something very like mysterious and fun about Kevin being there with Mark Wahlberg in a brand new place where he was pouring tequila, where it was like raining cats and dogs outside. I remember I was actually in my bathroom during that storm. Yeah, I <laughs> and remember like looking that. The at, sirens were like, ooh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, where did you park your car? Like, yeah, was it safe? Did you get really wet walking back to your car? Our friend Kevin should let us know. Yeah, I remember sitting in my bathroom looking at Twitter and I'm like, oh, people are out at Laneta drinking Marky Mark's tequila and I'm in my bathroom. Yeah, hiding. Hiding from yeah. tornadoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you guys really liked that one. It's amazing how many celebrities we had in town this past year because they were selling some sort of new alcohol. Wasn't Catherine Zeta-Jones in town? Remember when Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul uh, were in town selling their bourbon and there was like a million dudes standing in line trying to get in <laughs> to buy this bourbon? It seems as though you can't launch a spirits company without a famous person backing it. Sarah lists even more of our most popular food stories of 2023 in her story. So go check it out at dallasnews.com slash food. So Bon Appetit recently posted a story about the restaurant trends that defined 2023. And now we're going to figure out if some of these belong in Dallas. Some of them sound very familiar. Mm -hmm, I agree. The first one, which made me laugh out loud, was the hottest new restaurant aesthetic, overwhelming funhouse. <laughs> can't yes. you see it? Like, I can't say that we have overwhelming funhouse designed restaurants in Dallas right now, but I absolutely know what they mean by that. Right. Dallas doesn't have overwhelming funhouse, but Dallas has glammy Grammy. Ooh, I love it. Different style, but we are seeing this proliferate. So Lubby's Bagels is the one that I think said the glammy Grammy phrase. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And what we mean by this, right, is like floral wallpaper, delicate plates, maybe nice pops of color. And vintage furniture. Yeah, that's perfect. Yes. And Lubby's is a very good example of that. But we're also seeing this in an upscale way at Sister, the Italian restaurant on Greenville Avenue. I think in an even more upscale way at Carbone Vino, which is the little bit less expensive restaurant next door to Carbone. And that restaurant is so beautifully designed. But if you really look into the details, it looks like your billionaire grandmother designed it. We're seeing it at Jack of All, which is this ruin bar that I was talking about recently in Oak yeah. Cliff. Little less glammy Grammy and more just Grammy. The fringe lamps and the old weird art. I think we're doing an old is new thing in these restaurants and I really like that. Yeah, I like it too. It's it's a refreshing change from all of the modern and straight lines and starkness, I think, that was proliferating throughout new restaurants there for a while. And that's more of like a design choice as opposed to doing it for the gram. Yeah. No more neon signs. Another trend is that salads have never been more expensive. And mm. I absolutely agree that with this. We are seeing this in Dallas. I love a salad with all kinds of stuff on it. But y'all know, by the time you add all the stuff, it's expensive. So even these fast casual restaurants, one of my favorites where I get a Cobb salad, it's a $17 salad. That's a lot of money. And the most money I've ever paid for a salad was at Sedell's in Highland Park Village. It was a $39 salad at what? lunchtime. Wow. Did it have any protein on it? Because that's another thing with the salads. You can get just your base 
basic salad, but then you see like, oh, add chicken, $10 and forget it if you want avocado. So Bon Appetit was right about the salad inflation. We're also seeing this in Dallas. Another one, anything can be a martini. Yes. Absolutely true. Yes. We just talked last week about Birdie's East Side. They have a frozen espresso martini. Never heard of one of those, but this is a martini and a frozen drink kind of all in one. And the other thing they have at Birdie's, which I think we'll see more of, they have a pickle martini. Ooh, love it. So Bon Appetit points to the dirty pasta water martini. Yes. What is that? Which I have not seen in Dallas. A breakfast martini, a campfire martini. I will say thank you right now to our Dallas restaurateurs (laughs) who have not fallen off the deep end when it comes to martinis. I'm still caught up on pasta water martini. The dirty pasta water martini. In fact, it is gin or vodka, pasta water, and an olive. Next up, it's going to be hot dog water. Uh, Just about what? to say, oh, were you? No. You know, that's, no. it's on somebody's list out yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> somebody do it, but not in Dallas because we don't want to try I it. I never could have forecasted that, Julie. That's so awful. <laughs> How were you and I both thinking that? Well, when I saw dirty pasta water, I'm like, ooh, hot dog water. And then I'm like, no, it said pasta water. It's different. Still gross. My mind went to hot dog water. It almost makes more sense than pasta water because it'd be salty. Oh, man, I'll try anything twice, but I don't want to have to do that. And I know if a Dallas restaurant has a damn hot dog martini, can you imagine the little smokies that could be on the toothpick? Oh my gosh, Vienna sausages. Let's do it. Another one million idea. We are full of great ideas. We are. Are we? Because <laughs> that one's pretty awful. It's really awful. Who's going to pay us for this one? Someone's going to do it. You know what could happen is on April 1st, 2024, there could be a hot dog water martini. Okay, birdies, are you listening? So there's another one. Scoring a reservation is still a contact sport. <laughs> I, I bet, yeah. And I think Claire was talking about this. Yes, Claire has mentioned that just it's harder than ever to go to a good or great restaurant and just get a seat. And of course, when you get that seat, as we've already talked about, dinner is so expensive. So this feels like a thing you have to plan for. And a story she wrote that I look at at least once a month, uh, the headline is how to get reservations at four of Dallas's hardest to book restaurants. Mm. So she kind of dug into why it's hard to get a reservation in Dallas. And then she explains how to get into these four restaurants. And the restaurants are Carbone, Lucia, Shoyo, and Tatsu. And we could probably add to Claire's list because in the past calendar year, we've had several more restaurants that are equally as hard to get into, including these omakase restaurants that we keep bringing up. But BA is exactly right. And in Dallas, we're seeing it too. Man, you got to get a reservation and hopefully you know when to sign up for those reservations. And hopefully you have a high limit on your credit card (laughs) so that you can pay for these places. Goodness. Yeah, because you have to pay for them when you make your reservations in some cases. Yeah, that's right. That's one of the things that doesn't appeal to me or like I never even go to fancy restaurants because I cannot keep up with the reservation game. You know, we should really call this the Hunger Games. Yes. (laughs) it is a game and it is all about eating yes so there's another drink tiktok food influencers are our new restaurant critics absolutely yeah we were just talking about that i think that people are getting restaurant news and ideas on tiktok yes and this ba blurb makes the point that we seem to trust these TikTok influencers as critics. Now we should ask the question of whether we should. Mm -hmm. You've got TikTok influencers with millions of followers who can say anything they want about a restaurant and it rings true with many people. One of the big things with them is you're often watching them eat the food. It's easier for me to get excited about a place when you're watching somebody eat the food or you're seeing it on the plate. There's also this aspirational food thing. Like maybe you weren't gonna fly to Philly to buy that sandwich, Mm -hmm. but now in 44 seconds, 
you've watched it happen. It's like this like secondhand understanding. You might even tell a story about that sandwich without ever having touched it or seen it in the restaurant because you watched a person eat it. I do think you're so right, Julie, that there's some sort of cachet there. You know, the Dallas Morning News for years has had restaurant critics and never did we get to watch them eat food because that's not the way, you know, the print journalism mechanism works. But I think people would like it. And we have to be aware that, I mean, social has this power to cut reality. You only will see the best of things or the worst of things. Right. But there's a lot of things that you will not see. I think now more than ever, it's blurry on, you know, who's doing the responsible reporting. Those of us who are professional journalists who cover food take this super seriously. We love our communities, um, but we also spend literally every day, you know, thinking about the food culture and the people in this city. And that's why I love it. And I just want to say thanks to everybody who listened to this podcast this year. Julie got us microphone ornaments for our Christmas trees. (laughs) And that proves that we are professional people who talk into microphones, even though none of us knew how to do this except for Julie. So what fun it is to be a journalist who flexes yet a new muscle. Ah. And that is this podcast. Uh, It's been a delightful food year. Yes. Thank you so much, Julie. I think we should give Julie a round of applause. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> we love you, Julie. Thank yes, you. We I love, love you, Julie. Too. And I love being in here, just spending time with you guys. And I learned so much. I have to say this podcast and you women have influenced how I dine out, how I cook at home, how I shop so much more than you even know. So Aww. thank you. Thanks. Well, thank you, Julie. We cannot do it without you. And I also want to say thank you to Imelda for joining our podcast. Yes, oh, that's thank right. You. No, thank you. You have been very welcoming with me and very open to new ideas. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I think we have to hear our public. We want to know what are you thinking about this podcast? If you like it, what do you want for 2024? Tell us your ideas. I want more jingle bells. So (laughs) it's Christmas, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week and this year. Thank you all for joining. And I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you. So share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrinkatdallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. And a reminder, we're taking two weeks off for the holidays and we'll return with fresh episodes on January 11th, 2024. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next year. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Eat, drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.